Good evening and welcome to episode number 162 of the Canadian Prepper Podcast, recorded live on Sunday, May 22nd, 2022. I'm Alan, I'm a first responder, security expert, overall safety nerd, and with this weekend, a little bit more experience in reacting to emergencies. And I'm Jeff, I'm based in central Ontario. I'm a target shooter, ham radio operator, and general overall handyman. I'm Brad, I'm in eastern Ontario, a part-time amateur prepper since about 98, constantly trying to better myself and weather the storm that went through. My name is Ian, I'm an aspiring hermit and waiting for the collapse on Vancouver Island. And Eric is away tonight, dealing with some uh, some family things, and uh, everybody's, uh, we'll have some great news about that next week. And if you want to help to support the show and keep the Canadian Prepper Podcast on the air, buy some swag. We have both the Canadian Prepper Podcast t-shirt and the Tactical Velcro patch. You can get them both at www.prepperpodcast.ca. All proceeds help keep the lights on and the backup generator fueled. And if you're enjoying the show, please take a few minutes and like us on Facebook and submit a review on iTunes. Also, we want your feedback, good, bad, or just a topic you want us to cover. You can email us at feedback at prepperpodcast.ca. I didn't write this. I apologize in advance. We have some fenced-in content for you this episode. We're going to start off with some recent news, update on our personal preps, and then we'll get into our main topic, keeping food and critters safe. So, Ian, what's in the news this week? Well, uh, according to Profit River Firearms and a few other retailers on CGN, uh, they... uh, they actually said they've been reporting record gun sales. No surprise, up until about May 18th, because uh, you know, I guess any political changes always creates gun sales. So, I guess yeah, uh, best week ever for most firearms dealers in Canada, which is pretty cool. Um, yeah, arm the peasants, great. Absolutely. Uh, next thing is uh, the new panic du jour. Uh, I figure that we should at least touch on it quickly. CBC is reporting that the monkeypox has arrived in Canada and uh, supposedly 17 suspected cases in Montreal. I won't get excited yet, but it's there. Sounds a whole lot like shingles. Yeah. That's it. From what I'm oh, hearing, that's for, it's, that's uh, for you. It's, 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 uh, it's livable, right? You can You can survive it. You can come back from it. Yep. But yeah, that's what I heard. It's not. It's not. You're not going to stop them from locking us down, anyways. No, I, I wouldn't think so. My um, my exit here from Quebec is uh, 58 kilometers from the border, and we're maybe an hour or so out of Montreal. I figure, give it another 50 cases, and uh, we'll probably be locked down again. Just wear a long sleeve shirt and gloves everywhere. You'll be fine. <laughs> um, two stories today relating to um, things that happened in Ontario this week. Um, if you live in southern Ontario, I hope you can hear us. A really nasty storm swept through uh, most of the province, uh, left probably close to a million without power overall. And depending on which report you read, anywhere between three and nine people uh, dead. Uh, so that is, uh, it was a rather significant weather event, started about 11 o'clock on, uh, 11 o'clock in my area on Saturday morning, and we got our power back about half an hour ago. Uh, follow up to that, I like people a little bit less every day. Um, the Ottawa, the, the Ottawa bylaw enforcement had to remind everyone that uh, noise complaints regarding generators are completely useless because there's no law, again, there's a specific permission within their bylaws to run a generator 24 hours a day, seven days a week in the event of a power outage. So thanks everyone for complaining that loud generators are loud. And somehow I'm just not shocked. I'm in no way surprised. Neither am I. We were just discussing that here over supper that uh, people were complaining to Ottawa bylaw about that. And we were all saying everybody can uh, screw themselves and get better prepared for next time. Yep. Absolutely. Jealousy often comes out in the form of complaints. Absolutely. Absolutely. Jeff, what have you got for us? Well, I had a couple articles, but you stole my thunder on the first one. Um, Yep. (laughs) Again, obviously, everybody, as uh, I'll mention about the storm, the the number I had was uh, five confirmed and three other possible. So that would be eight. But either way, um, it was... uh, 
I don't I, well, actually I don't really know the words for it just um, I mean this from from our podcast end of it uh, and our and our group of people um, this is why we do what we do for mm -hmm. what just happened um, yep. and all of us in the, in the group um, who were affected or maybe were not affected um, we're, we're, we're gonna be okay yeah, you might have some trees to clean up. You might have an insurance claim for a bunch of property down, but uh, or property damage. Hopefully, uh, you know, as sad as uh, fatalities are, I'm I'm honestly not surprised that the number is not significantly higher. Um, I drove I'm, all, through I'm the, also surprised by that. Yeah, I, I drove through the beast of it on the on the 401, and I was behind a transport, and either he was empty or only partially loaded, and he literally and you know, people say, oh, well, you know, this guy's wandering all over the world. He literally was was guardrail to shoulder, guardrail to shoulder. A couple of times, I'm sure his uh, his passenger side wheels on his trailer come off the ground. It was uh, it was just uh, the worst rain, snow, anything I've ever driven through. 15 minutes tops and it was gone. Uh, it was moving yep. that fast. You could see it coming and then it was just gone. So yeah, um, enough on that, I guess for now, we'll, we'll obviously get into that later. But um, in terms of economic uh, and food stuff and whatever, uh, Sri Lanka is in a meltdown. The uh, president, prime minister, whatever his position is, uh, resigned a couple of weeks ago over um, basic, incredibly bad mismanagement. Anyways, make a long story short, Sri Lanka has no money. They can't buy fuel. Uh, they can't buy food. There are uh, any gas station that has fuel has lineups miles long. People are literally um, almost killing each other just to get fuel um, or just to get food. It's uh, it's it's a really really dire situation there, and I don't think it's the last country that's going to have this problem. So um, again. This is why we're here. This is what we do. Be prepared. Yep. Get your stuff ready. Have your your supplies. And um, if you don't, you know, especially after this storm, what I'm what I'm really hoping is the people who got through this storm and everything got okay are gonna go. You know what? We're missing something here. Yeah, what you're missing is, and I was seeing it on um, on a bunch of Facebook posts and all that, where people are like, "I got no food. I'm running out of water. I'm this," and I'm and I'm sitting there going, "The storm's only." 18 hours it was gone and you're already out of stuff like come on really i mean emergency preparedness tells you to be ready for to survive without anything for a minimum of 72 hours and 18 hours and they're complaining i i'm just i'm just at a loss but anyways yep. i'll leave it at that. <laughs> i agree on the silver lining thing though uh with the sri lanka thing is that they managed to was it go to the politicians houses burn down the politicians houses and throw the cars into the water so that makes me so happy. Right people. I'm so happy to hear that. <laughs> Sorry, I missed the party. Yep. Yeah, I didn't hear that. That's uh, that's great news. <laughs> There's actually some good footage of them actually overrunning. Like I guess the riot police were trying to keep them away from the politicians' uh, subdivision, for lack of a better thing, and the people just steamrolled right over the uh, the riot police line. And Perfect. Yeah, it was just like you know, you get enough people angry, and there's not enough protection in the world. So anyway. All right, and so on that happy note, what have we done lately for preps? Brad? Uh, I did a little bit of fuel rotation. Not much, but a little bit. And uh, some, some right, for, surprising... For the new listeners, fuel rotation means we took the jerry can, put it into our into our gas tank, and then filled it again at some other point. It, it's, it, yes. it's either that or, or, or Brad just picked it up into the hokey pokey. We're not sure yet. <laughs> 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 no, I emptied a, I emptied a one jerry can and then filled up the rest of my gas tank in the van and then filled up two jerry cans. And then those two jerry cans are actually sitting in Castleman right now at a friend of mine's place who is still without power. Probably won't get it back until late Tuesday afternoon. But uh, I think you I did are some a way nicer person than I am for doing that. Yes, well, <laughs> longtime friend, and uh, she's got a few kids of her own at home and she is a kind of a foster house for a few other people in the area. And she's, she is one of those mothers that 
she's the cool mom in the neighborhood. A lot All of people, right. a lot of kids go through her house. So no, it was, Fine. it was important to get her power I expect, and her I sump pump is horrible. Well, and, I guess that's uh, really nice of you, Brad. Yes. And I did a little bit of yard cleanup, but was not from this storm because I hardly got touched here at all. I actually really didn't get touched at all. Uh, and I started taking a tree down in my backyard to make room for my new shed. Um, nice. But it, again, had nothing to do with the storm. I had maybe two minutes of rain here. The wind came up to maybe 40 kilometers an hour. And then it was all over and the sky was beautiful. I was surprised at uh, when I started hearing all the stuff on the chat about how much damage there was. And Jeff, you sent me that link to that Facebook video, and that was horrible, but incredibly cool to watch at the same time. And uh, yeah, I, I had nothing happen here at all with that storm. Well, that's uh, that's a fair bit to go, Jeff. What do you got? Um, well, I just uh, topped off. Uh, an empty fuel container that I had used, um, so I topped that back off. So I'm I'm fully topped off. My vehicle was topped off. I did that uh, before the storm. I figured I was hopefully out of the danger area, which it turned out I was. Thank goodness. But uh, again, always prepared and ready to go. Um, funny Tracy makes a comment in the live chat there about uh, that apparently. Which I don't, I don't really use. I go through my fuel enough that uh, I rarely use it. Is that um, fuel stabilizer? They're saying now you need to put more of it for every liter or gallon or whatever f fuel that you use. So, I mean, believe that if you want. Um, I'm not, and I'm not, I'm not saying that they're not saying you need to do that. I wouldn't change what I use just to uh, put more money in their pockets. But, anyways, we'll we'll see. And uh, just. Uh, so happened that it was my time to do my monthly generator checks just before the storm come anyways. So I just fired them up, give them a, a good run for a few minutes, plugged a couple of things in, make sure everything worked, and I'm good to go. Excellent. Ian, how about you? Okay, well, as for myself, I basically just did a feed top up, so I had to kind of run around with the quad, make sure all the uh, chicken uh, supply hoppers were filled. Uh, so I know exactly how many I need to go and buy next time I run to the feed store. Um, finally started uh, way too late on starting the greenhouse and I got it about halfway done today at which I was immediately told it was not, not level so I guess I have to wait till it's completely built and then I'll have to jack it up on one side and shove in some more supports I guess because looked level to me but anyway um, see right. here. keep, go keep yeah. going and fix it in post that's right well, we, well if you try and like level it out right now well it's actually like half built everything's going to get out of, out of a whack and once it's all tightened up and you know a solid piece it's easier to jack up uh, so, uh, let's see here. I pulled the one trailer out of winter storage and basically put the new insurance sticker on it, check the tires, uh, had to, you know, take care of some rust. And then, uh, I installed like a third, like a front wheel on it. So it's easier to wheel around when there's something on it. And nice. let's see here. So I got that kind of set up. because so it's kind of like by my quad trailer slash bug out trailer, whatever. Um, see here, I have to do a lot of work. So it's pretty much gone all week anyway. And then just doing some domestic stuff, like taking care of some dog issues and, uh, I don't know, just kind of playing catch up on the acreage uh, more than anything else. So it wasn't a, wasn't a big week for preps. Well, there we go. Um, I, I did very little preparing this week, but I did actually get to put my preps and plans into place yesterday and today. Uh, so as we discussed, the, a major storm came through. Uh, a little after 11, our power went out. Uh, it was clear skies, and then 10 minutes later, it was raining sideways with wind blowing first towards the west and then towards the east and back and forth and back and forth, and um, then it got a little bit crazy. Um, about a mile and a half east of us, it uh, brought down probably 30 trees and at least 10 uh, hydro poles along, the, uh, along one road, so that kept me busy for a little bit, but the generator started on the first pole. Uh, for my wife, she got it set up, and we uh, we worked the plans. We everything worked exactly the way it should. It became it went from a really scary situation to little more than an inconvenience pretty fast. And then we did a uh, we did a family debrief today after we you know we, we learned how much you know how much fuel the fridge the, the fridge actually takes to keep it cold and um, all the other options. And we came up with about. Uh, 
10 point lessons learned document, which is going to turn into a new SOP for the next time the power goes out. So we just, you know, pick a task and do it and everybody knows what to do. Uh, so that was, uh, that was the, the, the fallout from that is that it was, it, it went exactly the way it should have. Um, and then today I just went out and uh, I topped up a jerry can because I'd gone through some. And so that's all, that's all I've got. And uh, so on to the main topic. We've, we're going to talk about our gardens. Uh, we have two, two basic things. We want to keep, keep uh, some animals out and we want to keep our good animals in. Uh, so why don't we start with uh, predators, I guess. We wanna yeah, I guess it. I can talk about yeah. that. So I guess what do we try to keep out of the garden more than anything else? So we, if you have a, you know, a victory garden, survival garden, whatever you want to call it, obviously you want to be the one eating the stuff, not the, not nature. So a couple of things we got to keep out of the garden itself, which would be rabbits, bugs of various sorts and deer. So I guess, uh, how do you all keep them out of your gardens? I guess more is a big question. Shotgun. Yeah. Well, that, that is that is a solution. <laughs> no, we uh, when we when we built our first garden, we put up um, well, the first year we did it. We put up a, uh, a four foot deer fence all the way around. So when got the got the roll of it, and um, our first garden was fairly small, like ten by ten by ten. Um, it was a raised bed, and we were able to just put the uh, put the stakes in the corner and run the run the fencing around it, and that worked just fine. We had no uh, we had no no critters get into it. Um, then last year we didn't put that up and we still had no credit, no critters get into it. So I think, uh, the abundance of coyotes in the area keeps our, uh, our rabbit population at bay enough to keep the, uh, keep the Waskway Wabbits, um, on their toes and not, uh, not in our feed. I think the, the big thing with rabbits too, is if you use chicken wire or something to wrap around your, your garden, whether it be raised beds or just regular ones, you still got to dig them down deep, right? Because they, they do actually dig warrens, as you know. So, I mean, uh, you got to make sure it goes down at least a foot. So if they're trying to get into the garden, they might give up after a while uh, mm -hmm. before they come back up underneath the fence, which is a bit of a problem. Yeah, yeah so what's the... Sorry, go, go ahead, ahead. I was going to say... say for, for, for my... Uh, this is the first year I've had gardens, and I decided to go with a raised bed. Um, and I actually built them four feet off the ground. Uh, for that specific uh, rabbit purpose. Um, I'm right across the road from a uh, conservation area, no hunting, no. So it's not uncommon for me to have almost any critter you could talk about hanging around in my yard, deer, rabbits, groundhog, you name it. So uh, that was the main reason that I, I popped it up that high in the air. And then uh, just for the deer in that, I went ahead and uh, nailed some, about another three feet of, uh, or two feet of chicken wire on top of that, hoping that that's going to be high enough that the deer will uh, will stay away. Well, one thing we do with the, uh, in the chicken coop is if you actually like, uh, I guess, coat or fence off what you don't want them to eat. So like, for example, when you bring, uh, grow up the, the plant called wormwood, it'll actually deworm chickens, but you don't want them to eat it right down to the root. So you grow it uh, far enough into a bush that you put the wire around it and they only eat what comes through the bush and it still keeps the plant alive, but at least allows them to feed on what they need. So you can also control how much pests, which in this case would be the chickens actually eating a plant. Um, you can actually control how much they eat and actually use it as a, as a I guess, a, how would you describe it? A pruning method too, if you want to keep them uh, off the main plant anyway. It's a reciprocal beneficial relationship. That's right. Um, I guess with the deer too, like uh, the fencing has to be super high, right? I mean, it has to be more than six feet high to get keep the deer out, does it not? I would have to agree with that. I guess I'm going to find out. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, the other thing too I've is there's some plants they won't eat, right? Like, uh, for example, uh, like alpacas obviously won't eat potato plants and... Uh, a couple other ones like they won't they won't actually touch garlic uh but if you can actually find stuff that the natural predators in the area don't like that is something to consider as, an, as a gardening option mm -hmm. and would it would it work to just put those kind of around the perimeter to, as a deterrent not necessarily they, just, inside? they might just hop over them and get to the goodies <laughs> they can jump pretty high can't they <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, I was uh, honestly, I was expecting, I was expecting deer, um, just because we've got so many of them around. But um, we weren't bothered by them at all. Now that was our, you know, our backyard fences six feet so maybe that was the turn but i didn't even i didn't even see like signs of them being close so and of course you can also work it the other way too so say example uh, if you actually want to have the deer clean up your your bad apples that fall to the ground and you don't want to pick them up yourself you can always like uh, keep the tree fenced off a few feet around it but let uh, the apples fall to the ground they can eat those also makes the meat taste better when you do to use that shotgun on them during hunting season <laughs> legally, um, it might work to your benefit to have them to eat certain stuff, right? That you're not going to use anyway. It was self-defense officer, I swear. It's coming right for me. Yep. <laughs> but I had an apple in my hand and a shotgun in the other. <laughs> uh, now, chicken wire, usually chicken wire is metal. Is there a, there's a, I had a plastic like deer fence that we found at, uh, at the garden center when I was there getting stuff for our, our last, like our, our first garden a couple of years ago. Um, is there a, is there a, a, a non-metallic option for chicken wire? Um, not really per se. Cause usually if you're trying to keep other pests out that are like predators in the form of like mink and stuff and raccoons, they'll actually eat through, uh, plastic chicken wire to get to okay. the chickens. And then same thing with deer, I guess. You can certainly use plastic deer fencing. It'll work for sure. Uh, by the same token, something like goats that you may have in the neighborhood or rabbits or whatever will chew right through plastic too. We have, uh, we, have a, we have a bit of a pig problem around here. Potbelly pigs. Yeah, they're the same, same idea. Yeah. Are they, are they somebody's pets or this yep. uh, roaming free? Yep. Oh, yeah? Yep. They get, they get it every once in a while. We had one come up to the backyard uh, a couple of years ago. Um, turned out there was more than one missing potbelly pig in the neighborhood at the time, which was kind of entertaining. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, we fed, we fed it some pumpkins and, uh, actually the next year where the pumpkin, where the, where the, where the pumpkins were, uh, had been eaten, uh, we had a plant grow up and then we had a few, we had some, we had some pumpkins of our own. Um, that was kind of entertaining. Yes, pig, uh, pigs, now, pigs love pumpkins. Yeah, absolutely. Is there an option for, uh, say, deer fencing, where if you happen to be in a municipality, you're not out in the country, and uh, you have a six-foot limit on fencing? Is there, like, a chemical option that would deter them that, without damaging anything, just something that would make it undesirable for them to come near? I know, I was just thinking when you mentioned that, I don't think there's a sonic one that would work that wouldn't drive your dogs batty as well, but by the same token, though, as far as a... Yeah, I don't know anything else that would work. Um, my, my grandma used to put uh, used to put um, cayenne pepper around the perimeter of her garden about uh, every three weeks in the summer, and she said it kept the it kept the squirrels and the raccoons out. Yeah, it could be. And maybe just to she, there was there was no real there was no real fencing there. There were plenty of squirrels and raccoons around, but her like her crops were never were never damaged. So I know it keeps I don't know ants was, away for sure. I don't know if that's yeah, uh, causation that causation equaling correlation. I've heard that for insects, but you were you were asking about uh, to keeping deer out, like if yeah, you're I was in like a just to turn them somewhere? from coming in the first place. Yeah, like if I'm, you know, where I, you know, where I live, I've got, you know, I've got plenty of open field behind me, but I am legally speaking in a municipality that's subject to bylaws and things like fence limits, and you know, I found uh, uh, my my sister found this, and um, my parents found this when they were at their farm was uh, a motion light. Mm, okay. They come into range, and the light kicks on, and they get a little spooked, and they take off. Interesting. I don't know. I don't remember how well it worked, but I know I remember hearing them say that 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 was something that they had heard somewhere else, and there was not a lot of damage done to their garden that year. Hmm. Well, I guess that makes sense because most most animals like to work under the cover of darkness. Um, Melissa's asking how to get rid of June bugs. Um, I'm assuming that means June bugs, the B and the N are right next to each other on the keyboard. Um, yes, I usually yes, she, uh, she absolutely hates June bugs. I, I, I <laughs> my favorite my favorite thing for June bugs is um, actually hitting them with a baseball bat. You can you can see them coming because they're pretty big, and you you give a few of them a smack, and then like they they want to stay away after that. It's kind of a you know kill one, leave the others alive, like leave another one alive to to tell the others and. Um, I don't have June bugs in my backyard anymore, so. And I guess the uh, with the bugs too. Like, sorry, I missed the part of that with the internet connection the way it is. But um, 
keeping bugs at bay. So is malathion still a thing? Do, do people still spray that? Um, not if they want to have healthy children. Uh, that's a figure. Uh, <laughs> or is it more of a caterpillar thing? Uh, but yeah, I mean, soapy water to keep the bugs off the uh, the plants is one thing. Yep. Um, also, like around here, we just have a bunch of bird boxes, or bird houses, bad boxes. Uh, get the natural pest killing happening. It just uh, makes our job easier. We usually have a pretty bug-free zone around here. Um, yeah, we were actually talking about the same thing. Uh, we were actually going to put a put a couple of put a bat house on the back of our uh, on the back of the shop and maybe one on the shed because um, we find when we have bats around, they don't eat a lot of mosquitoes. And then we were actually talking about putting like planting um, planting um, flowers that attract dragonflies. And uh, my darling wife was um, looking into that, and I don't remember where we landed on it. We were talking about it earlier today. Um, things that attract dragonflies because apparently dragonflies eat just an absolute ton of mosquitoes. And so that I will definitely attest to that. Yes, that is true. Yeah, we have so, had a hundred dragonflies in our ditch last year. I don't remember what the plant was out there that they loved, but all of last year in my front yard, no mosquitoes going to the backyard. Lots of mosquitoes. Really there sad. you go. Uh, it's probably something like giant hogweed or something that you don't want around because that's how things go for me. But um, yeah, that's that's something that, I w that we were looking into is finding, you know, finding plants to attract um, the dragonflies, which then eat the mosquitoes, and then everything, you know, circle of life and all that. Because um, I don't recall ever being bothered by dragonflies before, but I definitely get bothered by uh, uh, definitely bothered by mosquitoes. So. And, and um, I know, you know, pe people don't like them, but uh, bats are mm -hmm. also a good exterminator of mosquitoes. They eat them by the by the pound if they can find them. So, um, again, like I know, a lot of people don't like bats buzzing around. Oh, but I, I I love seeing bats. Bats mean bats mean fewer bugs. I'm always happy to see bats. Yeah, I have no issue with them. I'm waiting for my new shed to get here to put a bat box up on it. Excellent. Just for that same reason. And so, what about livestock? What uh, what are we going to do to keep our our livestock safe? Well, uh, I guess it like depends on what you have. First off, is uh, I suppose you, assuming you use chickens as a prime example, like you're going to be trying to keep the people coming in from the air. First off, like hawks, you know, eagles, everything else. Everybody's trying to eat your chickens, right? So even the roosters act as a natural. Uh, I guess, protector of the flock, which is good. Uh, for us, just having the larger animals around the property, like the, the large dog or the alpacas, keeps the birds from coming in. Uh, now, also, like some people use uh, DVDs hanging on ropes because the, the the spinning little discs and the flashes of light that kind of, you know, spray everywhere with the, when they spin around will keep birds away. Um, even stringing ropes across the chicken run uh, will help because they can't dive in there very easily then. Hmm. Um, but you can actually use overhead nets like bird netting uh, over at the top of your coops. But the problem is, as soon as you do that, you get a heavy snow. Uh, they're pretty much on the ground and caving in your fence. Well, that's no good. Yeah. So DVDs on DVDs on ropes, and the it's it has like a like a mirror ball effect. Yeah. And they and then they they don't and the birds don't like it. Interesting. Yeah, or just go buy a disco ball. Yeah, well, you could do that too, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, but I have a I have a lot of CDs from the '90s though that I will never listen to again. I have no disco balls lying around, yeah. so I'm all about the repurposing. Unfortunately, and, I have uh, a couple of disco balls. <laughs> uh, so the and then, so what about stuff that what about stuff that crawls then? So not not the overhead things. So we've also got smaller stuff like uh, minks that will come in, uh, weasels, you know, anything else, even rats. Uh, you're going to try and get into your coops or whatever animal cage you might have. Um, and the problem is, is that if the, there's an opening bigger than a dime, in some cases, you're going to get predators in there. Uh, we've, we'd like to think that we've had our stuff sealed up pretty well, but even then, animals still get in. So I guess, number one, lock all your valuable, eatable animals up at night. And uh, even over the windows, you got to keep a hardware cloth over top of it, which is like basically an oversized screen for the screen doors, but like probably one centimeter squares and this nice thick wire. Mm -hmm. um, and the reason you do that is because you want to keep the raccoons out because they'll come in through the, the screens of the windows if you leave them open during the summer or something. Um, 
because yeah, they'll find a way in, right? Not well, yeah, of course. If there is a way, they'll find it. Um, and I've is seen there, actually, are there any yeah. other deterrents? Like I've you know I've seen you know people putting you know nails or spikes facing out to uh, to deter climbing. Is that um, is that has that ever have, has anybody found that to be effective? I missed what you said there, but um, I think you're talking about roofs. No, no, just like spikes or spikes or nails pointing out so that uh, they can't climb up like a like a squirrel deterrent on a bird. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah, uh, that might work. Um, yeah, it just depends. Like even like uh, the raccoons will come in through the roof if they'll they'll pull up shingles to get into uh, a coop. Sometimes they're wow. they're insane. Uh, That's the a determined is- coon. Oh yeah, no, but I've I've seen crazy stuff around here too. Like you know, make being nature's serial killers, they just they just kill the chickens. They don't eat them. They just uh, drink the blood and call it a day. Um, yeah, it's it's a, it's a real waste. So if things have gone sideways and you're depending on those chickens for eggs, it can be a problem. Uh, you don't want to lose all your flock overnight either, right? And uh, and so what about bigger stuff like coyotes, bears? And I suppose that depends on the size, how far out you are, depending on the, the size of the bear. Well, you want uh, convoluted or complex locks, not just like a, a latch system, because uh, bears can figure out latch systems. They just don't have opposable thumbs. So, what was the, uh, there was, that was the thing with uh, at Yellowstone Park. They said there's, uh, there's a significant overlap between the smartest bears and the dumbest tourists, and that way that's why there's no bear-proof garbage container. There you go. <laughs> uh, yeah, so sturdy doors on the coops more than anything else. Make sure that it's not something they can smash in very easily or open easily. Uh, keep all your feed in sealed containers. More than anything else, again, um, you know, having a guard dog will help a lot to not just alert you, but also deter animals from coming in. Um, I don't know about coyotes, per se, with dogs. Uh, they have a tendency to lead dogs out to the field and, and kill them with a pack. But mm-hmm. uh, but by the same token, though, like, a dog will take care of most of your problems, right? And would, uh, like, would, would having a motion light disturb your chickens in that case? Uh, sorry, say that again, Al? Would having a motion light disturb your chickens? Yeah, that'll help a bit, I think, too. But uh, just like anything else, they can get used used to that. But, I mean, a solar-powered motion sensor light would be great, especially with a power outage extended. Uh, mm-hmm. doesn't require any outside influence there. But, um, yeah, I guess more than anything else, I guess, uh, yeah, it can't hurt, I guess. Especially right. if the and chickens are inside, right? And the motion light is outside to deter the, the larger things wanting to get at them. Well, yeah, if you had it inside, they'd just be crowing all night as soon as it goes off. So, Of course. And uh, is, there any, is there any benefit to raising your coop off the ground? Would that help deter some animals? Well, all my coops are actually off about the ground by anywhere from one to three feet. And uh, so it does keep the rats down, okay. uh, but the rats will still come up. And um, yeah, I think everything else just uses, uses this as a challenge. They, they didn't get in there anyway. And I don't suppose doing things like coating the outside with metal would help or, or you know, packing steel wool into the joints or anything? Steel wool might help because uh, not, nothing likes to chew through steel wool. Like most of the stuff, when they, they bite it, they get that kind of just like, you know, when you chew on aluminum foil taste, and mm-hmm. it usually deters them right off the bat. Like actually insulation foam, they eat right through, no problem. But yeah, steel wool will stop them. Okay. So pack the joints with steel wool, get them off, the, get it off the ground, and... Uh, Keep the keep the openings as small as possible. Makes all that all makes good sense. Um, Jeff, you met, you put a couple of notes in about raised beds. I think we talked about that getting the uh, um, getting the, uh, the the beds up and the fence buried deep. Yeah, basically, like like I said, I you know I I built mine uh, I built mine four feet off the ground to try and keep the uh, Keep the the low the low critters, so the rabbits, the the raccoons, the groundhogs, whatever. Um, but I was just thinking, and, and I know it's been mentioned, um, if if you don't have a raised bed and you you chicken wire it and you don't bury it deep enough, they they will just burrow under it and uh, they'll they'll have their smorgasbord uh, at your expense. So. And. Uh- what about now? Part of part of raised bed gardening in a lot of cases is drainage. Like if you put gravel under your soil, would that help to deter things from digging under it, or will uh, will will small animals just like dig through the gravel as well? I'm going to guess it probably won't. Um, but I, I 
I could be wrong. I mean, I've seen, you know, been in fields where it's just nothing but rock and there's, there's groundhog holes and animal holes everywhere. If they can, if they're desperate enough, I mean, it's just like a thief. If they're, you'll slow them down, but if they're desperate enough, they'll, they'll figure out a way to get in there and, and get at it if they can smell it and they know it's there. So. I suppose. Just, just my thought. And then uh, squirrels from overhead when we're talking about uh, um, talking about your garden beds again. Um, we didn't talk about overhead coverage for squirrels or birds. Um, same same concept as chicken coops. Put uh, put the netting over top. Well, I haven't got that far, and I'm hoping I don't have to. Now that you've mentioned that, <laughs> uh, I'm probably jinxed. So uh, yeah, there I go, creating problems again. So that will probably be my next move: is figuring out something to go over the top of it. Have you experienced that, uh, Ian? Yeah, I think we've lost. I think we've lost Ian. Uh, but Frey makes a great comment here. Uh, we pour everything from the cat litter around the chicken pen and seems to deter the mice. I suppose that would. If things smell like a predator, then they wouldn't. Uh, they wouldn't. Especially want to a male cat. Especially yeah. a male cat. Just a urine smell yeah. would probably keep them away, and maybe a few other things too. Yeah, it's always worth a shot. Yeah, no, I didn't really have much else, Alan. I just, uh, it's yeah, kind of a thin topic, but we just had a, a listener request. So and I think yeah. it was Scott that actually asked as well. But um, Well, we're not talking about gasifiers, so Scott's not here. So, Well, I, I told um, him, I said, maybe <laughs> gasifiers will keep the pests away, and he still didn't show. <laughs> <laughs> I, think in, I think in record time, we can move into the podcast challenge. Jeff, what do you got? Well, if you have a garden, uh, figure out, um, do some investigating, and install at least one means of protection. Be it that, uh, for the record, is permission to buy a new shotgun. Woohoo! I will agree with that. Frey also has a good comment there too. You can also soak rags in ammonia and leave them around, especially if you know you're going to be away later in the evening and you want your birds safe. I would imagine that applies to just about anything that would come into your garden. If uh, if smaller predators don't want to uh, be aware of the bigger predators, then the smaller predators would likely avoid, um, or the smaller prey would likely avoid that area too if it smells like predators. So that's uh, that's definitely something to try. We'll uh, we'll try that out this year in the garden and see if it's uh, see if it's effective. The only reason I didn't put a garden in this year, we have too many things going on around my place, but I'm going to definitely keep a lot of these hints and tips in mind and try next year and see what happens. Okay, so M Melissa, since you're clearly still listening slash watching, uh, I want you to, next time you see Brad, write 162 on his forehead. And in a year, we'll try and remember why you wrote 162 on his forehead, but it'll all make sense. <laughs> yeah, I get it. I still have access to the show notes. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so I, I install at least one means of protection. Uh, what do you have for upcoming events, Jeff? The annual preppers meet is on uh, in Desboro, Ontario. It's out in uh, Western Ontario there near Walkerton, I believe. Uh, July 7th to 10th. If you want tickets, uh, go to their website, www.annualpreppersmeet.com, and you can grab your tickets there. That's provided the monkeypox lockdown doesn't happen in, in the meantime. Yeah, well. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. I'll just keep my mouth shut before we do get banned. <laughs> Please. <laughs> Ian, what's our deal of the week? Uh, right now, tents are 30% off at Cabela's, so... Uh... Yeah, I put the link in the show notes, but anywhere from like, I think $60 on up, um, you can get a pretty decent deal on tents right now. Hmm. I'm in for a new tent. I don't think there's any uh, any reason to not buy a new tent. Tents are like ammo. You, the, the only time there's too many is when you're trying to swim, right? That's right. I think my wife would kill me if I went and bought another tent. I think we've got five. <laughs> oh, uh, she's giving me the death eyes right now. I think that's a sign that I shouldn't <laughs> go buy one of those. Oh, see, and I got a thumbs up, so. Uh -huh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what do we have for shout-outs, Ian? Uh, I got one for listener Barb. I was actually surprised. I didn't realize she was watching the show all the time, but uh, supposedly she is, so just a quick shout-out, and uh, yeah, hope to see her soon. 
All right. Well, Barb, jump on the show notes and uh, get get uh, get your comments in. We love seeing those. Um, there's also in the show notes a link to our Discord group where we chat about all of these things and significantly more. And we have the Survival PDF Collection, which is also in the show notes, worldstudybible.com, blah, blah, blah. And that is all the good time st- all the good stuff we have for that. Uh, I'm gonna go into a an email from a listener. And and just just a note, oh, just wait. a note on the on the sorry about that, on the on yep. the Discord thing. Um I know we talked about it earlier with the whole storm and all that. Um, I'm also a bit of a, I guess I could call myself a weather nerd. Um, I've, I've been up close and personal to two tornadoes. I don't want to go, uh, I don't want a third. So I'm, I'm always keeping a pretty close eye on the weather. Um, I follow a few people on online who are storm chasers and that kind of stuff. So, um, I've been plopping stuff on the discord since Wednesday about this coming storm. So, um, you know, Discord is is great for ideas and stuff, but it's also great for heads up. This is coming, or something else is going to happen. So, um, yeah, it's a great place to be. Yep, and uh, yeah, Jeff absolutely called this. We uh, we're going to start calling him Jeff Tr- Jeff Stradamus, and uh, <laughs> the farmer the farmer's Alma Jeff, and we'll get. Uh, uh, but yeah, it's it's. There was no surprise that this was coming based on uh, based on what uh, what we were seeing in there. So that was, um, yeah, it's it's a great it's a great place with a lot of resources. So get your uh, get yourself over there. Um, even if you don't do anything else with Discord, that's a great it's a great place to to meet up with other people that um, think like us and act like us. Uh, hopefully, a little bit better behaved than me. But uh, overall, it's a it's a good place to go, and uh, you can usually get us there as well. Most of the all the hosts are are there and we can uh, we're always happy to answer questions just like we're happy to answer email questions like this one from sasha and sasha i apologize in advance if i'm not uh um, if i'm mispronouncing your name uh it says hi there some time ago i emailed your team about bug out options my question was how to establish a solid communication environment once we had in fact bugged out whether due to civil unrest natural disaster or whatever the case may be i didn't get a reply in any case i now have a solution which i will share once you have your preferred location, you can communicate by setting up a base station radio, uh, one with support for higher output power and also support for multiple bands or frequencies. That would be set up in a crossband repeat mode. Walkies, handheld radios that retransmit via more powerful radio to remote groups, which is to say that a, sh- a local short, wa- short range UHF frequency on a UV5R similar could be used to coordinate between a local group and then depending on how one would want that to propagate one frequency could have a special uhf signal run via another hf or vhf frequency that is established in a crossband repeat function that transmission could then be retransmitted via hf to a group of people or remote station that is much further away that allows people with simple walkies to communicate with remote parties using only what is effectively a mobile repeater the same concept can be used to to allow scouts to communicate with home base. For example, a scout could travel to a high point or could be involved in a search and rescue coordination. They could be watching for fire breaks, enemy activity, zombie hordes, rescue helicopters, whatever the case may be, and could transmit back to the home group who could be in a valley below or searching for a lost hike or whatever. The scenarios are endless. The main point of all this is that a group of people can coordinate with another team member using an interim rebroadcasting system, one that has more capability, more power, and more reach. While requiring a ham license, it offers a lot more power than you could get from a simple handset and also extends the capability of that handset significantly. It would be good to include this in your shows since I don't think people realize just how powerful this technology is, especially in the places where not everyone can have a sat phone where there's no mobile, 3G, 4G, or better towers. With regards, Sasha. So first and foremost, Sasha, we apologize for not getting back to your email. Um, I, I did a quick look before my before the show, and it's not in my inbox. I'm wondering if maybe it got filtered to a spam email, which is bound to happen. But um, in any rate, we do love we do love getting these, and for the most part, we try to reply. Um, and yeah, so that's you know item item one. Very very sorry that we didn't find that we didn't find your email and we didn't get back to you. Uh, secondly, yes, you're absolutely right that a, a repeating function. Um, 100% makes a better uh, makes for a better system for for mobiles, but um, as you mentioned, it does need a license. And specifically, if you are rebroadcasting, repeating, you need an advanced license. Uh, so uh, make sure that you are a proper. Well, actually, I think Alan, for that. 
if you do if you do a crossband repeater, I don't think you need to actually your advanced for that. Okay. Uh, like if you actually transmit on VHF and receive on UHF or something like that, or vice versa, it, it's okay in Canada anyway. Um, okay. But yeah, so check, check 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 the exact regs for that because I I will stand corrected if I'm mistaken, but I'm I was on the understanding that any re any retransmitting needed to be uh, needed to be an advanced license. Um, and I, yeah, I could yeah. be wrong because you are you are much more. Um, well, yeah, yeah, you're much nerdier about this than I am, so mildly uh, nerdier. But yeah, no, I, I think it's I, a, it's it's a little exemption they give. Yeah, I, actually, I, I'm I'm leaning towards uh, Alan being correct that you because in order to set up and operate a repeat system, you have to be advanced. So um, if you get your license with honors, you can't set up a repeater station. You can't control it. You can't. Um, work on it. It has to be done by somebody with advanced certification. So, I mean, let's let's call a spade a spade. If it's a shit hit the fan scenario, do you really care? Do you think uh, the government's going to put a ton of effort in to try to find you uh, when the world is disintegrating? Probably, Probably. not. But um, I mean, I'll I'll double check with our absolute ham guru, Mr. Eric, and confirm that. But um, I I do know that. Um, through the local ham club that you, you must be advanced in order to do anything with the, uh, the, the club repeater system. Yeah. And so there, there may be an exemption if it's a cross band. Like I said, I, I, I can't point to that specific line in the, in the book right off the top of my head, but, uh, um, regardless of what the actual answer is, make sure that you are adequately licensed for it. Uh, and that you have practiced with it because as we have said many a time, um, it's great to have this have this down in theory. Um, it's one. It's it's something definitely different when it comes time to test your gear and make sure that it works. Uh, like making sure that those UV five hours actually will connect from wherever you need to send them. Uh, and you may have to put in interim repeaters, right? Interim uh, uh, broadcast towers. Uh, again, depending on where you are. So that it's it's certainly a great system, without question. Uh, Make sure you're doing it in the in the right in the right setup as long as we are under the rule of law. Same thing. Uh, I have a video in the show notes here that basically is showing how to put together just a pair of UV five Rs as a you know field expedient repeater, not legal in current times, but during emergencies, you know, hey, at least you know how to do it. Yeah, and there's yeah, there's always that difference between what can we do and what are we allowed to do under our current circumstances. And, uh, you know, the choice is always yours as to how um, how literally you want to follow the law, but it is always our position that uh, while the rule of law is in place, you should probably be following it and keep yourself out of trouble and keep yourself off any government lists that may, uh, um, that may be the result of your whatever activities that you may be doing. I thought we were supposed to be on lists. No, no, we want to try and stay off lists. The more lists you are on, the more likely you are to be found. Correct. Correct. Don't worry, Brad. You're on every list there is. That's that's true. You're you're on a bunch you're on a bunch of lists that you don't even know exist yet. <laughs> I don't doubt that in the least. And I think with that, we're going it's time to bring episode number 162 of the Canadian Prepper Podcast to an end. You can find this podcast on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. Please help us out. Submit a review. It helps other people find us. Oh, hey, that one's also me. Uh, we do record these shows live on Facebook and YouTube. Uh, if you want an early peek at the show, which includes me not knowing where I am in the notes, please subscribe to the YouTube channel, Canadian Prepper Podcast, and click the notifications tab. That gives you an alert when we're going live. You can contact me directly at Alan, that's with one L, at prepperpodcast.ca. Brad, where can people find you? Take yourself off mute. <sighs> A fourth time tonight, I think. I can be reached at batbradcpp at gmail.com. And you can find me or send a generic email, being the great person I am, at feedback at prepperpodcast.ca. And right. I'm on nobody's list, by the way, Brad, just so you know. Well, you'll be on a list Sorry, right now, for sure. Oh. <laughs> uh, I'm on your list than I know. 
Yeah, probably. Oh, uh, just before you f- I forget, I uh, did a little bit of uh, interning there, and I threw an interesting Canada link in there. Yes, you can do cross-band repeaters. Uh, it's in the uh, uh, comments of the, the show there. I'll put it in the show notes as well. Uh, told you you were nerdier you than I am about that. There you go. You can reach Ian directly by emailing me at theoutofretreat at gmail.com. And you can also find me on Canadian Patriot Podcast on iTunes, YouTube, and we record Monday evenings at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Uh, I'm also on the Discord chat for both CPPs, emails you want an invite. And there is, you can find us discussing why government waste in society got me to raise chickens. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. Until next time, be prepared, stay safe, and keep learning. <laughs>